Hello and welcome to From the Rookery. My name is John uh, and we are at the end of a week where Watford lost two games. Well, or technically, did we lose? Well, basically, we lost on penalties uh, to Spurs, even though within 90 minutes it was only a draw. Uh, and then we lost uh, on the weekend uh, to Arsenal 2-0 away at the Emirates. And we're going to cover both of those games in this podcast. It's a strange place to be in many ways as a Watford fan. Not strange if you look at the entire lifetime of us being Watford fans, uh, near and on 30 years for most of uh, the From the Rookery team, if not a little bit longer for the odd few, uh, where you know times haven't been great. But two defeats in a row... Uh, at this point in our success, let's say, uh, isn't the oh success? Maybe we'll talk about him. Uh, is isn't fantastic. So there's, there's there's three parts of this podcast. Firstly, we're going to hear from Mike and Colin who are at Stadium NK on Wednesday. And then we'll speak to Matt Rowson from Be Happy. Uh, and of course, of, before that, Be Sad websites as he was at the Emirates uh, to see the defeat away at Arsenal. Two games to cover. Plus, later on, I'll be chatting to Mike about all the other goings on uh, for Watford fans this week. So let's head off Wednesday to a game of Watford and Tottenham Hotspur, which was at neither club. The ridiculous movement of the League Cup tie uh, between the two sides to Stadium MK, where we join Mike and Colin at half-time. It is Wednesday night. It is Milton Keynes, and it is from the Rookery End. It's Mike here with Colin. Colin, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Good evening. So a lot's been spoken about the venue for this for this match and I don't think we need to dwell on that too much we all know it's a bit of a farce I was just thinking during that first half Colin the League Cup do we as supporters have a bit of a role in in perhaps revitalising this tournament because the atmosphere is not great here tonight is it? It's not I mean the only the only fans that are singing are the Watford fans of which are I think about 3,800 but the ground's much more full than I thought it would be I think with the as far as the, uh, coming here to play this game, I'm just going to stick with what Javi said, which is they tell us where to play, we're happy, we go play, we don't know where we play, we want to win the game, we treat it like a final, this is what he's been saying. And I, I think that message of positivity goes out to the players, I think it goes to the fans as well. They've come here because I think the coach wants to win this game, he's serious about it. Not sure that every team treats it in the same way. I was on a, um, on a Tottenham fan show last night talking about, about this game and he posed the question quite strongly. He said, would you rather win against Arsenal on Saturday or would you rather win the cup tie at, on, uh, here, here on Wednesday night? And I got quite angry about this, talking about t- the, the way the League Cup is denigrated because I said, well, why do I have to choose between the two? And we're sort of feeding into that narrative that, well, you have to choose one or the other. How important is the League Cup for Watford? It's, it's the most important tournament we're currently in because it's a tournament we could win. I don't think we could win the league. I think you know, that's a bit pie in the sky, despite all this, uh, this, uh, this talk of Leicester and all of that. So I agree with you. I think choosing between the two games really is win them both. That's my view. Go out. We've got the, we've got the sort of B-side out tonight. Win this Saturday. Some of these players will play on Saturday, I, I think, after the performance we've seen in the first half. Well, they've certainly got a good chance of getting in that 11, which is one of the reasons they're playing so well. I'll uh, we'll come on to that in a minute. But, yeah, I think if you're in a cup tournament as Javi said once you're out that's it no more chances so tonight is the final because if we win we go to the next round so I think it's really but we haven't won a major trophy at this club and that lot up the road have and that that sticks in my throat (laughs) and uh, I would love to win this trophy it's only seven games six games or something why not Okay, John couldn't be with us tonight, but something that he he suggested as a sort of one of his sort of uh, uh, yeah one of John's ideas that he, he comes up with for for uh, every now and again. If you're in Europe, should you perhaps have the option not to play in the League Cup? 
because I because I have a conspiracy theory that go, I go, think go, I think theory? that either top the game is in Milton Keynes either is it a marketing ploy for from Tottenham or they were trying not to be in the League Cup they were trying to engineer their way out of the League Cup well, and we've seen how we've we've perhaps given Burnley an easy ride saying they're they're struggling because of the Europa League I don't really buy it but if we're getting teams who are not really interested until the semi-finals small crowds second strings in some case third string sides playing should we just give them the option not to not to play in the league cup no because i think if we did that that really would denigrate the value of the cup i think you have to make them play and uh if they choose to play a third or a fourth string side, that's up to them. As far as I'm concerned, tonight is a good opportunity to knock one of the, and I hate this phrase, I really, really am beginning to loathe this phrase, it's used all the time, one of the big six. <laughs> I can't think Arsenal are in the big six at the moment. I think we're in the big six because we're four. But anyway, we've got an opportunity to knock out Tottenham. Uh, Man United have gone. Liverpool played Chelsea today. So if we win tonight, that's three of the big six are gone. And if you do it early, uh, you've got a chance of getting much deeper into the tournament. If you, if you allow them to get through rounds, then suddenly their teams get stronger and stronger and stronger. But to be fair to Pochettino tonight, he's played a pretty strong side, I have to say. He's got more on the pitch, got Ali on the pitch. He's got, you know, he's got, he's got good players on the pitch. They're not kids. No, it's, it's really strong. And for what it's worth, I make you right. I think Watford, this is a tournament that, that should ring bells for us. It should be a focus for us. Um, and yes, John, as for your idea of uh, teams in Europe not being able to play, I think we've kicked, we've kicked that one into the long grass. <laughs> it's only half-time here, so we're going to talk about the game at, at full-time. But very, very brief thoughts uh, on the 45-minute mark, Colin? Uh, well, I think we've, we've played very well. We've contained them. They haven't really had a, a clear chance. They had one shot which went across the goal. We've had a few shots on target. It's been very even, back and forth. It has felt a little bit like both teams probing rather than a sort of blood and thunder cup tie. But I don't mind that. And I, I think uh, our midfield and our, and our backup fullbacks have played very well, as has Wilmot. Again, Wilmot is really becoming somebody. He sits in front of Cathcart and Mariano this evening. He covers them very well, protects them. If there's any trouble, he drops back either with them or behind them. He's doing exactly what he did at Reading, but he's doing it against much better opposition. So, fingers crossed for second half. Absolutely. Some incredibly positive signs. As, uh, as Colin said, Messina and Navarro catching the eye. Uh, the two fullbacks there doing some damage. Let's hope we can transform it into another famous win against Tottenham. Collins coming in. Yeah, we're, they're shooting towards the second half. The 3,800 horns right behind the goal. I think we can suck a ball in, hopefully. Let's give it a go. Let's get our uh, let's test out our vital capacity and suck the ball in. Come on, your horns. We'll be back at full time. Two two full time. Four two. Watford defeat. They fall to a, a gallant defeat on penalties. Colin, can you sum that up for us? <laughs> Where on earth do you start? So second half, first half, fairly nothing much happens. It's all a bit you know probing, as we said. Uh, then Isaac's success. Well, in fact, Kiko really made the goal because he stuck his head between two sets of boots, won it chased after it flicked it out to success he looked like he'd taken it too wide but he used his body strength and then he hit it absolutely clean as a whistle and 1-0 up yeah, yeah. but it's only four minutes into the second half or two minutes or something and then it's a sort of it's another slightly like the Fulham thing sort of trying to hang on uh, well well, you say that and I th- it, we, we did weather a, a big storm and it felt we got through to about 80, yeah, 80 minutes and we had one really good chance where it sort of pinging around the box and then Chalabar ran onto it but it hit the defender and sort of ballooned up in the air and then Semo was under it and he missed it <laughs> but it was a good chance and if, that, if we'd managed to get a second that would have killed the game off the difference really was when Son came on they brought on Hyung Min Son and he's a different class from the other Spurs players he, he had a lot of hunger a lot of desire got on the ball went out left on the left wing and he was just so quick and 
But they were fortunate, weren't they? Because, well, you tell the story. Well, well you, you, you talk about substitutions. My first question to you was going to be substitutions change matches, don't they? And, of course, Watford made one of their own, which had a huge impact and, uh, and could have, go on to have a, uh, an impact for the, for the rest of the season with Christian Cavasello coming on uh, within minutes, gives away a penalty, and he's back on the bench, straight red card. Yeah, is, that tr- is it true that if you get... Um if you get suspended a red card in a League Cup game that, that does in fact suspend you for Premier League games as well is that true? I thought they changed that rule no. I'm, I'm not entirely sure we'd have to check it out but as I was saying to Andy we, we were clutching at similar straws and he can't exactly be banned for the next Carabao Cup round can he? Um, <laughs> not till next year Did, did Cavaselli have to come on? I think Navarro was just so outmatched by what was happening out there with Son that I think he felt that he'd put in a decent shift Navarro and he played quite well but he looked like he was just starting to tire so it was probably a good move I think the red card, he hadn't shown a card all game and suddenly out comes a straight red. I, I, I could only see it from our end and it looked like shoulder to shoulder but if there was a foot involved and he's in on goal, that's the law, isn't it? It's the rules but it's the old triple punishment. You, you, you know, you get the man sent off, you get the penalty and you get the, substitu- uh, the suspension. So it seems a bit harsh, made a difference. Yeah, and, and Tottenham went 2-1 ahead shortly after and that was a cue for a lot of people to leave. It looked like it, looked like it was game, set and match. It looked like all that hard work had been, been undone. But... But there was life in the old moose slash heart slash hornet yet, wasn't there? <laughs> well, he brought on Capu uh, to great aplomb. And, and Capu uh, loves to play against Spurs, obviously, for obvious reasons. Uh, we, were a bit, we were a bit naive with the, their second goal. We had a free kick or a corner. And instead of just knocking it into the corner and trying to hang, you know, hang on to one all, we sort of put it in and they went on the break and scored quite a good goal, really. Uh, but then, then, uh, <laughs> a sort of comic goal because he... It pings around. They, they sit back. As soon as they've got the second one, they go, oh, we're done. Which is, you know, you could tell they were going to do that. And so we came out and sort of had a go at them. Uh, and uh, Kapu got on the ball and he hit it and it went off the backside of some Spurs player and, and, in, and uh, pandemonium. Cue pandemonium, absolutely. And I think we'll, we'll gloss over the penalties. I think there's no yeah. point. It's, they are what they are. Everyone knows it's, it's difficult. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't, wasn't Watford's night in, in that regard tonight. But plenty of positives, I think, to, to take from tonight. I'm going to ask you to give me your top three performances from, uh, from that side tonight because I think a lot of people who couldn't make it tonight will be keen to find out how, what effectively our second string was like against a very, very strong Tottenham side. Uh, well, number one, up front, Isaac Success, who used his, uh, not only used his strength to score a very good goal, but he also used his strength to hold the ball up at times when we really needed someone to do that. I thought he was excellent tonight. And if you put him in the side, if Deeney's got three broken toes, he can walk into that side now, no doubt. You move back down the pitch, it's a, it's a toss-up for me between Chalabar and Queen. I think they're such a good pairing. They play off each other so well. That I think I'd stick them as number two. And then if you go further back... Uh, other players we sort of know a bit about but I have to say Wilmot again same as against Reading the way he screened the back four the calmness the composure the just the charisma and the presence on the pitch for such a young man I think that's uh, again with Cabaselli out now suspended if he is then you've got to pick between Mariapa and Wilmot really and it's hard it's a, that's a tough one for him personally I, I might give the lad a run out so ultimately disappointing to go out. Um, I think Watford probably deserved to maybe shade it. I don't know. But disappointing after a really spirited evening. Um, but let's make the last word on the League Cup. We're out of it now, so it really will be the last word for, for another 12 months at least. Colin, do you think your view of this tournament has changed now you're a Premier League football supporter? No, not in the slightest. It's a tournament. It's a cup tournament. And from, you know, when you're a child and you play in the league, then you get in the cup. 
you can win you can win a cup so, and you've only got to play four or five games so no not at all I think he's done very well to play the second string he trusted them believed in them and actually they've they've really repaid that confidence with the two performances against Reading and tonight against Spurs but I don't think we were we were weak I don't think we played our kids so to speak I think we played a strong side with players that need minutes so no I, I, I'm, I'm all for it I, I, I've been really uh, annoyed and upset in the last three seasons under Walter and under Kike that they didn't take it seriously enough we got knocked out by lower lower division opposition and, and I think this season we've had a go at it and I think again it's down to Javi and his, and his attitude just to football generally Here, here. well unfortunately it uh, gives me no pleasure to report that the treble is off <laughs> for another year we, we live to fight another day in the Premier League doubles on though the doubles on um, hugely um, impressive from a lot of performers tonight as, as Colin has said I don't think there's many Watford fans leaving here too downhearted turned into an absolute barnstormer of an evening uh, last minute equaliser against Spurs on their inverted commas home ground scored by an ex uh, Tottenham player uh, pretty, pretty sweet that I think Tottenham have got a lot more problems than us uh, good stuff from the Hornets ultimately ended in disappointed but on we go to the Emirates and Arsenal come on you Hornets come on you Hornets we're the Horns you're the Horns That's one defeat to talk about. Uh, another one to come in a minute. Uh, but not not defeat. That's, that's, I'm, I'm being negative. I'm being very Mike. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, but it, Mike's surname is Parkin. Uh, he has a son called Arlo. Uh, and Arlo was at the game uh, at Stadium MK. And the following day, Mike caught up with him in our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson. Arlo, Arlo, how are you doing? Good. And where are we at the moment? What are we doing? Going to school. We're walking to school. And how are you feeling? Okay. Okay. Tired? Yeah. There go some of Arlo's fans. You can't you can't escape your fans, can you? They're everywhere. Now, Watford got knocked out last night against um, against Tottenham, but they played well. But my question for you is: Would you rather see Watford win a cup, so go to Wembley and win a cup, or? qualify for Europe which means we get to go on a plane and watch Watford in a in another country but don't win a cup so win a cup this year or get to go away to watch Watford in Europe next year which would you prefer and go away next year to see Watford so you want Watford to go on a European tour yeah and we're going to see them awesome that sounds good Arlo thanks so much for joining me bye bye And on to the weekend and on to the Emirates to take on Arsenal. Uh, Emirates has been a, a nice place to go to uh, of recent years. Not always, but but fairly positive. And uh, in our attempt to get even more Watford fans' views on the podcast, we want to speak to uh, to more and more of you. And, and this week we're going to speak to Matt Rowson, uh, who went to the game uh, and was reporting for us. Uh, he, hopefully, lots of you have read Matt's blog, Be Happy, which he writes his thunks after games. Um, you can get that at BeHappy.wordpress.com, but of course uh, Matt was also part of the team that did Be Sad, uh, the fantastic archive uh, of what it was like to be a Watford fan in the very early days uh, of the internet. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful resource. So do go to uh, BeSad.org. Blind, stupid, and desperate. Uh, BeSad.org. So Matt went to the game with his family. 
And I caught up with him on Saturday night uh, on the phone uh, to find out what he thought of the Hornets. A 2-0 loss uh, away at Arsenal. Matt, uh, it was Arsenal again. We've beaten them, you know, loads in, in the last few years. But how were you feeling going back to the Emirates again? Well, it's football, so you're always looking forward to it. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a sunny day, so that's good too. I guess a, a little bit of trepidation. Arsenal were on decent form. And whilst we continue to play well, obviously the winds have, have stopped a little bit. Um, and it's probably a game that could have come at a different time, ideally. So, yeah, looking forward to it, but a little bit apprehensive, I think, going into it. Were you scared of Arsenal? Not, not scared, just scared of their form, I guess. They're obviously not the side they once were, not the side that 10 years ago, more than that, were one of the top one or two sides in the country, but they're still still a very good team. And so just while we're, if not wobbling, then you know, we could have done with a game that we could expect to win, I think, at this stage. That would have been ideal, but you don't get to pick and choose, do you? So we, we have beaten them a few times of, of, of recent. What, what could have, what, what would have been in, happened in, in today's game where you would have, it would have been better than, than, than the, the, the home win with a last-minute goal or uh, the FA Cup with, with a couple of, uh, with a wonder goal? What, what would it have taken, or even the, the, the way game there in the league by, by going ahead very, very early and holding on? What, what do you reckon it would have taken to have beaten that? To have beaten it, I think it would have been beating them by scoring more goals than them, but also being better than them, being visibly better than them. That would have been better. All those games, not that we didn't deserve to win them, but they're very tight affairs, games that we could have certainly drawn or, or, or lost. To beat them hollow, beat them comprehensively, would have been nice and wasn't beyond the realms of possibility. You know, we've obviously been on form and, and there was, going into it, you're thinking... How much do Arsenal like being pressed? How much do they need to have space to play? That, that's what it would have taken to, to, to outstrip those previous wins, but frankly, I would have taken any win. Um, <laughs> yeah. <I was>, <laughs> win's a win. Not, yeah, yeah. not, not fussy, yeah. So let, let's talk about the, uh, the unfortunate loss that, uh, that we had uh, at the yeah. Emirates. The game started um, with, with one change. The first time we've changed the starting eleven in the Premier League. Uh, Navarro came in. So let's talk about some of the, the, the key players in the game. Navarro, how, how did he sort of uh, step up? In, you know, before the game, you know, Colin had, had said after the, the game at Milton Keynes where he, hadn't, he seemed a little bit lost at, at times. How did he do you know, his third competitive game for, for Watford and, and first one in the Premier League? I don't think he looked out of place. It's difficult. You've got this very odd watching angle if you're in the front few rows at the Emirates West at pitch level behind the corner flag, which isn't the best vantage point. So to what extent it was my angle and to what extent it was it was him. My concern early on you know, with him being effectively just in front of us was that he was expecting to have more time than he had. A couple of times he laid the ball back to, to Ben Foster, not expecting people to be herring after it. There was nothing that was dreadfully close, but he, he seemed a little bit complacent, overstating it, but, but surprised by the pressure he was under. But overall, I think he played very well. And there were, uh, defensively, he looked, you know, that, that, that issue aside, he looked strong. There were a couple of moments where his interventions were critical. One point where he was covering the far post, right wing cross came in in the first half, Aubameyang. It would have been a difficult header, but he you know, had Aubameyang got his head to it, then it, it, it might have gone in over, over Foster. And Navarro was on the cover and he was there and he was quicker than Aubameyang to get to the ball. You know, it wasn't a, a performance that I'll be telling my grandchildren about, but he did he did very well. The, the stuff there, there's just a couple of extra games maybe to, to get him you know, happy with, with the Premier League, I, I guess. Um, I think and, so. I mean, it's, yeah. it's always going to take a time to adapt, isn't it, to, to a, different, a different style of play. What was interesting 
was that he was preferred to Femenia, who, you know, okay, more comfortable in a more attacking position, perhaps more of a wing-back than a full-back, but Javi has obviously decided that, you know, Navarro is a better, better full-back, um, and Tico is, is, is a more flexible option, perhaps in a more advanced position. He came on at the end for, for the last five or ten minutes, but Navarro's the, the next come off the rank at right-back. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, maybe that could have been a maybe because he was playing Arsenal. Maybe Javi was, after they say that, a little bit more uh, defensive-minded. But is there is there any point? Do you think? Is there anything where you know? The, did you feel? Did you leave the game disappointed? Yeah, yeah, disappointed. Mixed feelings. I think disappointed because it's a game could have won. And it was a very open game, very competitive game. An awful lot of attrition in the middle of the park, but more open than, than I think I expected it to be. Perhaps uncomfortably so. But pride as well. The game moved in phases. We started the game at the first 15 minutes, and then towards the end of the half, first half, Arsenal were on top. And the same thing happened in the second half. Arsenal started very, very well. We looked tired. I thought it felt almost like a matter of time at the beginning of the second half, and then from from not from nowhere, but but we found reserves and had at them before they scored. And so disappointed, yes, that you know we obviously had chances in that period, didn't take them and ended up losing the game. There's nothing quite like the punch in the gut of a, of a team like Arsenal, not Arsenal in particular, but you know, going away to a big team and, and as I said, going toe-to-toe with them and then the, the noise when, when they score, the, the relief mixed with, mixed with jubilation when they score isn't a nice feeling. Did you put the, the loss down to purely the fact that we, we didn't take those chances that we were, they were given? Um, that's an important thing to do when you're playing sides against Arsenal. Or is there was there anywhere else where it, it wasn't quite right against a big team? Because I suppose, you know, if we are to to do do a Leicester, as everyone keeps going about, it is those we have to get those games that we lost last year against the little littler sides, but also do something quite decent against bigger sides. And this is you know only really the second big side we we played. Do you feel we've got enough out of the game to to go forward? Yeah, look, I think you can look at the missed chances and and. And it's easy to say that if we'd, you know, if some of those chances had gone in, then then we wouldn't have lost the game. In that sense, it's frustrating. But is there anything else I'd look at? Well, look, we're playing a very good team, and we were both sides were playing a high defensive line, meaning there was great big spaces. Successes didn't quite. He just burned away from the Arsenal defence. Perhaps took a slightly heavy touch that took him wide, and then clipped his shot off the off the post. That, that was the one. Arsenal had similar chances to it's, it's a bit one-eyed if we take it won the game Arsenal could have been outside in the first half so I don't feel I'm disappointed that we didn't win, that we can get something from the game disappointed that we didn't win it actually but but you know this is not a disaster you know we are how many games seven Premier League games nine games in total into the season we haven't played badly yet you mentioned success there um, you know he scored in, in the week he's sort of showing a, a certain role he ha- he plays and is playing quite well with his with his physique uh, and his stronger mentality this year D- do you think he either deserves a start or are you, are you least happy that if, if Dini's toes had, had, has got worse or, or Andre Gray gets injured that he will be a starting player in the Premier League he looks a credible option for the first time. Does he deserve a start? Well, that, that, that implies that someone in the team doesn't deserve to be there. And I think both Troy and Andre have been, have been playing well. Uh, so that's difficult to argue, but I wouldn't be concerned about starting him. He looks a proper footballer at last. I, mean, I remember him playing in this fixture, the game that we won a couple of years ago, the one that was uh, the evening game where we scored early, we scored the kick, I think the success came on and, and almost... Um, 
battled his way through and scored a fabulous goal. He's always been a player who has obviously got some ability. It's just that it's not all being pulled together in a, in a tightly wrapped enough package. You know, there's a reason that hasn't started. He's barely started the game in his first couple of years. It's, you know, over with head coaches casting an eye over his eyes. The discipline's not there. The fitness isn't there. He's not quite the finished product. But he looks a player now. So no, I wouldn't. I don't think he deserves a start. But no, I wouldn't be at all concerned if if Troy's toes got the better of him and 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 Isaac was was having to start up front. I think we have options now. As I said, the fact that we are you know, nine games into the season, we are irritated at having lost away at Arsenal. We're irritated at having lost to Man United at home, and and nobody else speaking us. I don't think this needs saying, but we've come an awfully long way. No one likes losing, but yeah, once again, gave it a good go. We played really well. It was a really enthralling game, and you know I'll take that. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the rookery end. So, Mike, end of a, end of a week of three away games, Fulham draw, Tottenham. Uh, in Milton Keynes, uh, draw slash uh, only losing penalties uh, and, and a loss away at Arsenal. How are you feeling at the end of, of that week after the, the start we had to the, the season? Well, it definitely feels better when we were winning, doesn't it? <laughs> I think. And I think we saw we had a conversation with a couple of people, didn't they? Who said, oh, we're not enjoying all the attention. I'd rather we were flying under the radar. Well, this is a case in point, isn't it? I think as soon as you stop winning, people stop taking an interest. Um, and they only stop taking an interest because you're not winning. So still plenty to be positive about. Cautiously optimistic, I'd say, if I had to sum it up quickly. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's that feeling of leaving, you know, as Matt said, you know, leaving the Emirates, it was we went toe to toe with them. You know, a, yeah. a, a few chances taken, for, from our point of view, we would have been ahead of them. Yeah, yes, they could have been ahead before that. But, you know, it, it wasn't that far away, let's say. What I want to avoid is us being that team again, though. That team mm. that plays well, yet still doesn't win. And you look at Fulham away, you look at Tottenham in the week, and then you look at Arsenal. Three decent performances, certainly in patches. I think the first half at, at Fulham second half at, at Tottenham and in fact the first half actually at Tottenham and then Arsenal I think most people agree we should have got something out of the game yet really it's um, you haven't come away with, with what we've potentially deserved and that I think can be the difference between a really good season and a, and a not so memorable one and I don't want us to be that team we've been there far too often where we come away thinking oh you know we've lost but but we're okay we'll, if, we, if we play like that we'll, we'll win more games than we lose but they're games we haven't got results in, and I want to, I want us to avoid falling into that trap of being too cosy, too happy with with not getting the results we deserve. That said, it'd be silly to to complain in a season where the only two games we've really lost are Arsenal away and Manchester United at home. They're, it's not disastrous, is it? No, it isn't. And I suppose the next couple of games will be the bit that sort of you know yeah. not test us, but you know sort of define our feelings going forward or how, how our feelings will be going to, to other games you know Bournemouth and Wolves um, it, you know, of course it's the Premier League and there's no such thing as an easy game but you know it is <clears throat> the, the next test for us um, in terms of where we can prove ourselves and where we can you know f- physically and, 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 and tactically on the pitch whereas men- mentally as well so I think they're, they're two really important uh, fixtures uh, for I think for, I'd, yeah. 
I think you stopped yourself saying they define our season. I think they won't define the season, but I think you're right. They are massively important, and they do they do sort of dictate what sort of footprint we're going to leave on the, on the Premier League this season. Because against against Palace, against Brighton, we kind of won. Ugly is not the right word, but we got it done, didn't we? Just about, um, and that's what we need to find again against um, against Bournemouth. It's going to be a really tricky game. We all know we know about them. Wolves away is going to be really difficult. That's going to be a, a really interesting one because I think they're they're better than Fulham, mm. um, but they're not at the level of Arsenal. So how we feel going into that game is is a really tricky one. And then of course, slightly more into the future, there's, there's Huddersfield at home, isn't there? So you'd say there's certainly six points there, home home to Bournemouth and home home to Huddersfield that, that you'd want us to grab. And I think this little clutch of games, I think it could be season defining because I think it sets the tone. Once we've played these, how many have we played? Um, uh, is it ten? ten, yeah, nine, ten. Nine, nine, well, ten games. You say defi- I think the reason I stopped myself from saying defining was it. It's not the end. What it actually might mean is, all of a sudden, we do go back under the radar. Um, and even if we got a couple of wins in a row, people say, yeah, but, you know, we know what happened with Watford before. And and we could sort of tick under again, take that pressure off in some ways, and then come back and, and be resurgent. So it would def- define it in terms of, are we going to be pushing for Europe? Or should, no, are we? Should we be thinking a bit more as we sort of have started to uh, after the first couple of games of the season? And I think we remove that from a big thought in my mind, um, just knowing that they, hey, if things do go well, and then you know the, the season might change. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not going to say defining, but I am going to say, like, say it will set the tone. You know, I always say when we talk about other when Watford are playing other other teams, I, I often say, "Oh, they will have you know insert team here: Bournemouth, Huddersfield, Wolves. They will have Watford circled in their diary mm. as one as one they should get something from." And I don't think we should be um, shy or coy about saying, "Well, we have those games circled too." And I think Bournemouth and Huddersfield are definitely two of those games. And I think we have to be quite strict and measure ourselves against these games where we where we probably expect us to at least go close to getting the win these are the games that we want to pick up points at home I think I'd take a point away at Wolves um, but if you get six points out of these three you'd probably say well that's what we should be getting yeah if we're honest and and all this talk about going slipping back under the radar I think that's that's us talking that's supporters I think the players absolutely no, no, no. I mean the, the media it. radar it's the media, yeah, yeah, radar. Not, not our radar, yeah, yeah. not anything like our radar. No, no, I, I think, know. Yeah. But I think, but I think, I think we make more of that than than anyone else. It, and I think it's, I think it's meaningless. I think if we're if we if we're getting loads of coverage, I think the players will enjoy that because they know they're succeeding. They know the microscopes on them. Then you know they're showmen, they're entertainers, they're sportsmen. They're in it because they've got that competitive edge. They want to show the world they're better than everyone else. So I don't, I don't buy this this fact that sort of under the radar, less media coverage is is a good thing and will help with the pressure. They thrive under under being uh, trying to be the best. So I think it's a. It's a really interesting time, again, as a Watford supporter. We've had this little clutch of games where we've performed really well. As you heard, came away from Milton Keynes on Wednesday night, really you know, excited by the game itself. It was good, fun spectacle in the end, but really buoyed by the performance of our, our second string. Um, and then another, another solid performance on, uh, on, Sunday, on Saturday against Arsenal. And I'm prepared to overlook, at this stage, the fact that we didn't get the results that we wanted. But that can't continue. I don't want to be, like I said, I don't want to be saying, OK, great performance, let's try again next week. We go again next week. Let's get that, let's get that lethal result getting Watford back as soon as possible. Other things uh, to chat about uh, from this week. Dr- Troy, 
was was has been by the media pulled up on uh, uh, something he said on on Five Live. Um, this is what he said. Do you not think as as a t- as lads, if you was playing against him, you'd go, we stop, like you say, we stop him. But you take it in terms of kicking him. I know exactly no one wants that, to hear that, but yeah. you go. You hit him this time, you hit him the next time. You don't have the same player tackling because you know they're going to get booked. So it's difficult, but also as a captain, I think I've said this before, I'd be the first, if we were playing him this week Mm. and he just said those comments, I'd have been like, ref, don't you be the first one to give him a pen. Don't you start going easy on him. You You can then flip it and start being a bit more psychological with the referees. And, and for me, Mike, everyone's sort of saying, oh, here's Deeney's tactics that they, they did to uh, kick Wilfred Zaha. Um, but actually, he wasn't talking about Watford. He wasn't talking about uh, yeah, him in particular. He was talking generally by how football teams work. And, and it's sort of that, that thing about being blown out of proportion a little bit. But also the fact that Troy's been doing a lot of media, as we've talked about before, and we were quite positive about it because, hey, we love the fact that you know, other people are paying attention to our club. But this is sort of the first time, from, from my point of view anyway, where something negative's come out of it. And annoyingly, because he wasn't... He was just saying what happens, as we know yeah. and love Troy for. The footballers kick other skillful footballers shock horror. Hey? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, as everyone said, probably, he's, saying, he's not saying anyone, anything that, no, that anybody doesn't already know. Good players, Eden Hazard, Zaha. You know, let's uh, let's have it right. Zaha is absolutely brilliant. I think he's a phenomenal footballer, and yes, he gets kicked all around the park. You know, we saw it. We hold our hand. The Capu challenge was really nasty, and skillful players get kicked. They do it. And if Crystal Palace fans want to start saying, "Well, you know, Watford have admitted they they set out to foul Wolf Zaha," well, let's look back a little bit over over the years and how Crystal Palace deal with uh, with opposition players. Do they just let them waltz through their defence because they they don't want to kick skillful players? Of course they don't. It's nonsense. Troy Deeney is articulating um, something that everybody knows. Every, everybody worth their salt knows. That said, as you alluded to there, John, is that helpful for Watford Football Club um, and Troy himself? I'd have to say no, and I think he's probably learnt a lesson there. Um, and again, I don't really have a problem with him being um, forefront in the media if that's what he wants to do, if that's what he feels is best for him, and then then so be it. But I, I, I do get upset, I think, or slightly annoyed when things that don't need to be said come out. And I don't think Troy would have done it to say something that's going to get extra column inches to make sure he gets booked again. No. Because I think I think he's already you know, he's already proved his his worth. He's a he's an interesting enough character. He doesn't need to say controversial things to to get um to get to make sure he gets that slot again on Radio Five or, or wherever. So but in a way that makes it a little bit more frustrating and I hope that he's learned from it. It's like that's one that he could have kept in his locker. He's got plenty of stories to tell. He's got plenty of interesting insight into the games we've played this season and, and what his what his career's like been like as a footballer so there's no need I think he's probably learnt to think a couple of steps ahead how's this how's this going to be portrayed if I say this um, and we could quite frankly like I said he's not saying anything we don't know already mm. but we could have done without it and certainly the way Troy plays you know he's he's all action. He's he doesn't hold anything back. So when the, if he is late into a tackle, is the ref going to think? Oh, hang on! I heard what Troy said. Um, everyone was talking about what Troy said. Did he mean that, or was he just gen, genuinely just a little bit late? And I'll I'll let it go. So um, you know, you'd like to think that in the heat of battle, refs aren't thinking about what's said on the, said on podcasts or on the radio. But you never know, do you? It's best to take day, doubt out of the equation and just play it down the middle. So all the whining from sort of opposition fans, I think, is a bit daft because. Because 
Everyone does it. I'd rather they didn't. I'd rather fouls didn't happen. I'd rather the best players in the world weren't fouled. But, you know, if I'm a centre-back and I've got the best uh, striker in the world or a, or a pacing winger coming at me, I'm going to do everything that, that, that you can to stop him. And that, that goes for every professional um, club in the land. It's just, just the way it is, whether we like it or not. Not defending it, not standing up for it. Prefer it wasn't the case. It is. We could have done without it being... Um, aired in public I reckon well, the, the, the annoying it, thing was he, he aired the fact that he has broken toes so mm. <clears throat> he can literally you know well tell what we might do then on Saturday we might step on Troy Deeney's toes yeah. and you think yeah. oh don't tell yeah. him that bit that's like that's against us <laughs> but the, other, the good, great news we had this week uh, is that uh, Daddy Shark Bobby P Roberto Pereira uh, <laughs> has been uh, called up for Argentina which is fantastic 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 for him um, you know all the hard work uh, that we've been seeing this year after all that terrible injury he he has had has has done something for him uh, outside of outside of Watford what what is a what is even better i think is that a Watford player got called up to Argentina which is just going to be great for recruitment absolutely yeah i think it's yeah it shows the the pathway that can exist for Watford players either rebuild your your career get that international call up get called up to the for the first time um, get some recognition is, is what you can get at Watford, isn't it? I think that's that's the message where how you sell a, a transfer to Watford. And I still get super excited. I get a little bit more nervous than I used to about injuries and and that sort of stuff. But I still get incredibly excited when a Watford player gets um, gets called up for international duty. It's a bit disproportionate, really. But you know, your chest sticks out a little bit seeing that in brackets Watford. Um, when when you see the list of players on on international squads, I think it's terrific. I think most importantly of all, it's it's completely deserved, isn't it? Because since Gracia came in in last year, the tail end of last season, he was he was superb and and he's been great. He's been one of our most important, if not potentially the most important um, player this this season. He's he's been really really good, and to get a call up to um, you know one of the most famous footballing nations in the world to get to get back into that international fold is. Exciting for him, so hopefully that keeps his confidence levels up, so we'll see the benefit there. But as you said, John, I think you're right. It shows what you can achieve as a, as a Watford player. Troy hasn't quite managed it for England. Bobby P's done it for Argentina. Brilliant. That'll do nicely. Uh, thank you again to, uh, for listening to uh, this episode of From the Rooker End. Thank you particularly to, uh, to Colin uh, for being uh, in Milton Keynes uh, on, on Wednesday as well as Mike, uh, uh, for Matt Rowson for sharing his thoughts also uh, after the Arsenal game. We'll be back next week, uh, as we've discussed already, uh, after Watford take on Bournemouth or the Cherries uh, at Vicarage Road next Saturday. Thank you very much uh, and come on you horns!